White Rocket Entertainment, podcast number 788. How would Auburn basketball respond without Jalen? Pretty well. Pretty well, yeah. The AU Wishbone is next. You're listening to the AU Wishbone, almost credible sports discussion on the White Rocket Entertainment Network. The Auburn crowd can smell it. They can taste it. They can almost see Minneapolis. I'm not even hungry and I can taste it. The Auburn Tigers, for the first time ever, are going to the Final Four. From the palatial White Rocket Studios, still in Southern Illinois and Eastern Virginia, it's the AU Wishbone Podcast. John, how are you tonight? Very well, Van. Doing well. How are you? Good, good. I'm your host, Van Allen Plexico. I'm joined, as always, by my co-host. I'm John Ringer. So, John, we um, only got one basketball game in the last week to talk about, but I think that only having played one game made a difference, and we're going to talk about that tonight. They they got some rest. I think they got some much-needed rest, and it came at a good time. And fans also got some rest from the roller coaster of the season. Probably good for us, too. This is true. It was nice on a Wednesday. As much as I love the basketball pl- game, team playing twice a week, it was nice on Wednesday to kind of not have to get all hyped up all over again, just kind of kick back and say, wait till Saturday, wait till Saturday. I ended up watching the game Saturday night at like 11 o'clock at night because we were out doing doing stuff for Maddie's birthday early, all day Saturday. So I watched it when we got home after the St. Louis soccer game was over. So it was quite a quite a late night sports night. The MLS plays late, but um, was really awesome. So we're going to talk about that one game and kind of sort through some of that stuff and see what else is going on. But of course, before we even do the Auburn fun meter, we're currently counting down the days that I want you to put the word out there that we are going to be doing a book signing event on two separate days in two different cities in the state of Alabama coming up. Not this coming weekend, but the weekend of March 8th and 9th. And if you've heard this a hundred times before, well, here comes 101 because we've got to get the word out because, again... I want you to put the word out there. Yeah, we need people to know. We want people to show up and come to it. So, where are we going to be on Friday, March 8th, John? Birmingham. Yes. The, uh, uh, the Pittsburgh of the South. I've heard of it. <laughs> Little Professor Bookstore, Homewood, 5 p.m. Central Time, uh, book signing event. Yep. It's going to be fun. Looking forward to that. Supposedly, they're going to have snacks, maybe some beer for the grown-ups if they want it. A lot of cool stuff going on at that one. And, and I, and I think maybe a, maybe a talk, a special guest or something they've talked about. I'm not sure what's going to end up happening. It's, I have a feeling it's going to end up being a surprise when we get there as to exactly what we're going to be doing. But that's cool. We, we, we can roll with that. Probably Bobby Ladder. <laughs> that's fine. We, hey, we had some good quotes from him in the book, so that would be fine. Talk to him about... Uh, about how they negotiated getting the Iron Bowl to Auburn. That's what we're going to be talking about. In fact, if we do have a conversation with a special guest or whoever, or just with each other, um, A, I'm thinking we might record it to use it later on the wishbone. I like and, it. And B, I've been making some talking points of like like the five interest, the five most interesting things that we found putting the book together that to kind of expound on. One involves the New Deal. 
And, uh, <laughs> you know, there's one involving Bull Connor, right? I mean, there's some really interesting stuff that we can dig into if folks want to come out and hear us talk about it a little bit. I'm really looking forward to that. Good All stuff. Right? And then on Saturday, March 9th, where are we going to be? Going to be in Auburn because the basketball game is later that day, but we will be at the Auburn Oil Booksellers from 1 to 4.30 p.m. Central Time, which is down the street, you know, downtown near Toomer's Corner. Yes, yes, yes. And they, I'm not sure what we're going to be doing, but they, I think, maybe have us sitting outside if it's a nice day. That'd be kind of cool. Get sit outside on Toomer's Corner and watch all the folks come by and all that. That'd be great. Oh, oh, and special announcement. We're going to have just a very limited number, if they arrive in time, they haven't arrived yet, of the special cover. People on Twitter saw it and they demanded it. And, you know, I, I said, you know, I would do it if... God wills it! God wills it. And so we're going to have a very, very small number that will say... Instead of Auburn basketball from Barkley to Bruce, the cover actually in giant orange letters says Virginia double dribbled Auburn basketball from Barkley to Bruce. And there are people that said they already have the book and they want to get another copy just with that on the cover. So I would simply say um, I'll try to hold back a couple for Auburn, but I don't I didn't want to order like 50 of them. I just ordered a few. So you might want to come to the Birmingham signing and come at 5 o'clock if you want to get the Virginia Double Dribble. I anticipate that those will not last very long at all. Those are going to fly right out the door. So we'll In see. demand. Yeah, I think so. I hope so. So It's just a, such a – I wanted to do some with my original title on it, but I figured nobody ever seemed to get excited. But I think it actually it's like I love the original title I thought of, and nobody else likes it. I mean, it never excited you. Amy thinks it's dumb. Nobody. I put it on Twitter and people are like, yawn, cricket, cricket. It's no Virginia double dribble. I know. Well, what is? <laughs> you know, so um, if it said Samir didn't foul him, phantom foul. But anyway, so yeah, come out and get your uh, Virginia double dribble cover. All right. So now let's go straight on into... It's the Auburn Fun Meter, our weekly look on a scale of 0 to 10 on how much fun it is to be an Auburn fan this week. And i got to say, every week for the last two or three weeks, there's been good and bad kind of mixed together, and it's been hard to, to really go higher than a kind of a number. But has there, has there really been a lot of bad news this week? I don't, I don't know. Rumors? No, I, no bad news. I mean, I, we, got a, we even got a good football commitment today. Oh, we, so. I didn't miss that. We got a four-star cornerback commitment today. Oh, I, nice. You know, top 100 player in the 2025 nice. class. So that's on top of, you know, A, anytime we beat Georgia in any sport, I'm happy. And oh, B, yeah. like, pacing them in basketball in their own building and hear the fans chanting for Auburn. Yes. Cheering Katie Johnson and stuff in that building makes me very, very happy. So I'm going to say I'm, uh, you know, eight and a half right now. That sounds good. I'll take eight and a half. I, I – I could hear the Auburn fans more than I could hear the Georgia fans in their own building, which I thought was pretty, pretty, pretty nice, pretty entertaining. All right, so yeah, we're 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 sitting pretty. We're enjoying being Auburn fans right now, and that's a good thing. And in fact, I had one other experience as an Auburn person this weekend, which was that uh, Sunday afternoon. 
uh, Mira and I went to a college fair in the gym of the college where I teach. They had a, for the, all the neighboring, all the area high schools. And I wore my Auburn pullover and um, I was counting the SEC schools that were there. A lot of the schools that were there were like local small colleges, McKendree and that kind of thing, Blackburn, you know. But there were a fair number of, I kept saying it's a lot of basketball schools here because Butler was there and um, several other, uh, uh, Murray State was there, Bradley was there, It was all, Providence was there. A lot of basketball, I know, a lot of basketball. Why, why are kids from near St. Louis going to go to Rhode Island? I have no idea. I have no idea, but there were a lot of basketball. It was a basketball-heavy crowd of schools, but I counted, I think, five SEC schools were there. Um, Satan, of course, they were there because they, you know, they recruit like... They recruit the whole country. They do, and they were there. And I was told by Mira that if I went up and said a word to the lady behind the desk, she would disown me as and would pretend she was not my child. So I bit my tongue and, and didn't say anything, but I, they were there. Uh, Mississippi State was there complete with cowbell they had a cowbell sitting there on the table uh missouri of course um because we're right next to st louis um old miss this a lot of people in the st louis area go to old miss i don't understand why old miss is doing a bunch of national recruiting right now too yeah well they get a lot of people from this area because when i used to teach summer i'd have a lot of old miss students that were home and taking summer classes at our college and then um i mean tennessee or kentucky it wasn't Kentucky. wasn't Tennessee. Tennessee Martin was there. UT Martin was there, but not Tennessee, interestingly. Um, I don't know. I can't remember who the other one... I can't remember who the other one was. I did see Missouri had a little Truman there that was cute. Um, there, oh, Penn State was there. That was interesting. We stopped and talked to the Penn State lady for a minute. And um, it was just interesting to see what schools, you know, that I was... That we played in sports and that, you know. So that was kind of a neat deal. I'm, I'll think of what the other SEC one was. I can't believe that I had I can't remember it. But uh, Oh, South Alabama was there, and I went up and told the guy that, that you and I used to go to South Alabama for the Model UN there. <laughs> that was pretty cool. I'm like, hey, I, used to, we, I used to be on your campus like once a year for, the, for Deep South, Model UN. He's like, oh, my gosh, yeah. So that was cool. Um, all right. I'll think of it in a minute. So what's going on in terms of basketball coming off of our win over Georgia? So before we get into the Georgia game and the specifics, we wanted to, at the end of last week's podcast, if you recall, let's go in the Wayback Machine for a moment. Mm-hmm. You brought up an interesting question, and we wanted to have a big picture basketball discussion about what should Auburn fans' expectations be, what should their reactions be, what do we want out of this team and other Auburn basketball teams, and what is success? And so I've laid out a few things for us to talk through at the beginning based on your conversation. And you really, I think you laid it out well last week where you said, you know, option A is, you know, the sky's, every time we lose, the sky's falling, we're terrible, we're a fraud, we can't win, we'll never win another game. And then option B is, we're awesome, and if we don't win the national title, then the season is a failure. And you wanted a third option. You wanted yeah. something in the middle. Those felt too extreme in both directions for me. So we're here to craft the middle option yeah, in this I like discussion. That. I like that. So, yeah. I, so, so one option that you hear a lot is, I, I, I guess it's just um, some, some people have just decided 
that we are indeed a blue blood, which is great. I love that. I love that. I'll ride and die with that. But I, I, but, I think it's just a running joke. joke, and we all get it. And it's but it's really it, fun because it drives the other basketball schools crazy. It drives them crazy. They can't stand it. But which is two thirds of the fun. But I mean, there are some of our fans though that 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 have almost bought into the th- thought that that's what we ought to be, and so anytime we don't dominate somebody, you know, it's like. It's like when Alabama loses a football game. They're like, oh, my gosh, we lost. We're not supposed to ever lose. Oh, no, this is, you know. And then the other point of view is um, Auburn is Auburn, and this is only going to last for a short time, and we'll be back to sucking again. So, you know, just enjoy it while it it lasts. I feel like we don't have to feel like every loss is the end of the world because for one thing it kind of shows that we are a football school still right basketball mm-hmm. schools understand that it's more like baseball where you can lose a couple of games it's not the end of the world football schools the fans are programmed to think that any loss ends the season yeah so when the basketball team goes out there and loses a hard road game and and then loses it some some of our fans are like, oh no, we've lost a game. Everything is over. We we're not going to be able to compete again. And it's that's not how the sport works. Teams lose road games. Duke loses road games. North Carolina loses. You know. In fact, I thought this was if you if you look at Tennessee, you know we've kind of basic we've basically uh, crowned Tennessee all season as the class of this league. But if you look at Tennessee's schedule right now, where they are, who they've beaten, who they've lost to. It's almost identical to ours. They've they've lost, I think, one fewer conference yes, game than they, us. Yes. But they haven't but we've already played the harder teams and they haven't. And the teams that Tennessee has lost to are kind of the same ones we've lost to. And the ones they've beat are pretty much the ones we've beat. If in other what I'm saying is if you took a, took the labels off and you mixed up the Tennessee and Auburn schedule and results so far, and you took the names off of the you know whose whose schedule it was. If you didn't know exactly who we played, like if you asked just a random Auburn fan that didn't know, they I don't think they could tell you which was Tennessee and which was Auburn. So I'm just saying, for all that people think it's the end of the world and this team is losing too much and oh the season's over already. Tennessee is supposed to be the class of the conference, and it's almost identical what they've done. Well, it, it's not just that. It's they're one game ahead of us, and we play them this week. And yeah. as you said, they have their toughest games left. Yeah. The, after Auburn, here's their last four. Yeah. At Alabama, Tuscaloosa, mm-hmm. at South Carolina, Columbia, home against Kentucky. Boom. That, I mean, Tell you me could, they couldn't lose two of those games. You couldn't draw a tougher three. Well, and if you count Auburn with that too, you couldn't draw a tougher yes. four. No, that's the top four teams in the conference besides them. Whereas we've got Georgia at home, Missouri, Missouri, the worst which is, team in the conference yes. right now. Come on, and then Mississippi State at home. At home, yeah. The toughest game we have is at Tennessee, but that's it. And if we win that, and then just kind of hold to what our normal cruise would, we could le- we could legit go four and zero. But realistically, three and one is I think very realistic. And Tennessee, I mean, so I really think it's actually going to be Alabama that ends up with a slight. They Alabama has a hard road to hoe too. I know we've jumped all the way to around the SEC, but but I mean Alabama has a hard road to hoe too. It's not as hard as Tennessee's, but it's tough. All right, I'll, I'll 
pull us back out of this and go back to the question for a minute yes. so we can wrap it up and get out of it. Yes. How should – so Paul, I think you made a really good point about the football school single loss thing. Okay. We have to accept that there are more games in a basketball season and losses are going to happen. Right. Especially like this team has lost games and we did not play well. We haven't lost a game, I don't think, where I thought we played well. No, If you right. play well and you play to the best of your ability and the other team beats you, you're just like, hey, mm-hmm. tip of the cap to you. You know, that's how it goes. Mm-hmm. But I think the games we've lost, we played poorly. And in I fact, think- the, the, the best game we played that we still lost may have been Baylor in the first game. Yes, 100% yes. We played well in the second half in Tuscaloosa, but yes. the first half we played like crud. So. Every game we've lost, it's been when we couldn't shoot. Yeah, that's been our bugaboo all seasons. When we just suddenly can't hit, none of, nobody can throw it in the ocean. That's been our bugaboo all season. All right. So, but this is this is the question I want to get to. What is success? Right. What do you what and on a season to season basis? What do you want to see out of this Auburn basketball team? And I had this conversation with my brother last week, mm-hmm. and he said two things that were not. Uh, tangible things, but I bu- I really liked them both. And he said, "What do I want out of Auburn basketball team? I want them to play really hard, and I want them to give us hope." Yeah, That's what I want. yeah, those and are I, both intangible things, but they're but they're legit for sure, for sure. They are, and the, and it's and I I thought about that a lot afterwards, and I think one of the reasons that I love this particular team so much is because they play so hard. Mm-hmm. All the time, and we do always have hope. We do always have yes. hope. Yes, we like if this team, like with a lot of years, we have hope. But this team, if they play their A game, we can mm-hmm. beat anybody. Yeah, anybody. Yes, and so you know that is it is possible. You know this team could do that, and so I think um, I I love the playing hard thing though so much. Like I, there's nothing I hate more than giving up a layup to the other team. Like, just allowing it. Well, they don't do that. (laughs) I hate that. And this team will sprint back down the court to block the ball, to block the goal, to foul the other guy, and never give up the easy layup. And I love that uh, that effort to get back on defense so much. And I think you don't see it a lot of other places the same way you see it for Auburn, the same intensity. So, But I think those are two good things. I think... If we, like you said, hope is, is while Bruce is here coaching this team and recruiting, bringing in talent this way, we're going to have hope. And they're going to play hard uh, with effort on defense or they're not going to play for him. Think of all the basketball games you and I have gone to or watched on TV with this, with Auburn over the years that we went into the game knowing, <laughs> just, you no know, chance. come on, no chance. I can't remember the last time I felt that way. It's been a while. Mm-hmm. So I agree with that. I, I think that the third option, I think that's that's those are two good things. The third option, too, for me is, f- yeah, feeling like we have a chance, which is hope, just another way of saying hope, feeling like we're bringing in players that can give us hope, like some, some tangible measurements for that hope would be like that feeling like we're still recruiting really well. Like the right. roster is good enough to have hope. Yeah, that we're bringing in at least you know one big player every year recruiting and and bringing some transfers in that that you know the coach knows can be good. And I want to also say that you know a lot of that is Bruce. We've you and I have talked many times about how 
you know, Bruce is this program right now. Everything that this program is is because of yes. him. And um, it had a few, you know, it's had its good moments over the years, but never enough to make anybody think of Auburn as a basket. Even with even with Charles Barkley, you know, that was so far back. You know, it was barely on television. And it was only three years, and at least one of the years wasn't good at all, just as last year was really good. Um, the, um, the This is, you know, for ESPN to, like, talk about us or something, that is new. That is just within the last few years of Bruce. And so I, I think that what we need to be able to do to really be what we want to be in basketball is keep doing what Bruce is doing and do what Bruce is doing after Bruce. I, I would like for it to start out as a Bruce thing, but I would like it to become an Auburn thing that he just okay. started, right? So, so like the the fever and fervor intensity around the basketball program continues, becomes an Auburn thing and not a Bruce thing. Yeah, I want Bruce to, here's an here's an example. Tell me what you think of this. I want Bruce to be for Auburn basketball what Bobby Bowden was for Florida State football. Not even on the map before him and a perennial winner after he's gone. Right? Florida State didn't go back to nineteen sixty level when Bobby Bowden retired. And I don't want and I want Auburn basketball to do the same thing. So it institutionalizes the Yes. The strong program piece. Yeah, yeah. I want to think I want and, and how do you quantify that? I want the well, all the peripherals. We've got the arena, we've got the fan base that's excited and the support and all that. But you keep that by winning and or seeming competitive, having that hope. And so the way that you do that is to show a real, genuine commitment to the sport beyond the current guy. So in other words, I I said it like two years ago, back up the bank vault truck to Bruce's house. Give him whatever he wants. I 100% endorse that. Give the man whatever he wants. And when he retires, I know I keep harping on him retiring, but the day is coming and I don't want to go back to being crap again the minute he walks off the campus. When the day comes that Bruce retires, I want to see the commitment from our whoever the athletic director is at that time and whoever the president is and whoever the board is at that time. If it's 20 years from now, if the man's 100 years old and still kicking butt, that's fine. But when the day comes that Bruce walks off the walks out of that arena for the last time as the coach, I want to see a a Brinks truck backed up to another great coach's house, and I want to see Auburn do a Nick Saban on that coach and make him say no. I want Auburn to be a place that coaches have a hard time saying no to because I still remember. When we tried to hire the Duke assistant, and he said, Auburn, I ain't going there. I want to win, right? I want somebody of that caliber that says, Auburn, oh, man, I want that opportunity. You know what I mean? That place, that place rocks. So that's no, I, I want Auburn to be to, like, I agree with what you're saying, and I want Auburn to be at a place where coaches are like, Rumors Bruce is retiring, and they're sending, you know, they're emailing our ID, their resume. Like, yes, I'm in. I'm yeah. interested. Yes, call yeah. me. Absolutely, that's what we want. We want to be a destination basketball program, not a stepping stone, and certainly not a whatever kick it out of the way stone that we were up and for a lot of the time. You know, up until yeah. Bruce. I don't mean to minimize the things that Cliff Ellis or 
or Sonny Smith did because we loved those guys and they did great. We wrote a whole book about a lot of sixty well, percent of that book is about Cliff Ellis and Sonny Smith, and we even interviewed Sonny. But in terms of being a power that's perennially in the top twenty, right? Sonny did that several years toward we're, the end. We're in a different level. We're in a different level, exactly. That's it. If if Sonny could have brought in Charles Barkley's and Chris Morris's three a, three a class every year, that's kind of what we would be. That's kind of what we are now. Okay. I wish he, I wish he could have, but just a different time. All right. Um, so last last question related to this: What is success for you in the current era of Bruce and Auburn basketball before the season starts? If I ask you, like, what is success? What is a good season? What is your answer? The way that Auburn basketball's program is nowadays, not just this season, yeah. but nowadays, success is being in the hunt for the regular season title, feeling good going into the SEC tournament, and feeling like we're going to make at least a second round of the NCAA tournament. That's what I consider success, and that's much higher than it ever used to be. I think that's fair. I think that's very reasonable. I think being at, at being in the hunt goes back to your giving us hope thing, right? Yeah. Uh, that we have mm-hmm. the potential to be there. But now you now I'm going to say you did not say mm-hmm. beat our rivals. It's not the same in basketball. That's not. That's one of those things that goes by. We don't end the season, you know, with the with with one game with Alabama or whatever. So, it's just different in basketball. To me, beating your rival in football is like almost as big as winning the conference or going to a big bowl game or whatever. In basketball, beating your rival is just something that gives a little extra spice to a particular Wednesday night. I, I'm that's sorry. Fair. That's how I see it. You know. Oh, we're that's playing fair. Alabama this week. Cool. Oh, we're playing Missouri this week. Cool. It's just, yeah, I really want to beat Alabama just because to shut them up. But it's not like the Iron Bowl where I'm gnawing my fingertips off the entire. You know, it's 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 not the same because we're gonna play them again in a couple of weeks or something. You know, usually. All right. How about regular season SEC title versus SEC tournament title if you had to pick one. Yeah, I've we've had this conversation a couple of times and somebody was talking to me about it on Twitter the other day that I really feel like the SEC regular season title is nice. It's great. It's something we never even used to be in the hunt for. But it's in this day of tournaments and tournaments and tournaments and everything, it's like it's like touching third base on your way to home plate. It's a, you know, you're, it's not, it's not really the objective. It, it, I guess it is the objective when you play all those games, but it's, you're worried well, about okay. the, the tournament. All right. SEC regular season title, or you go an extra round in the NCAA tournament. Which oh, NCAA right. tournament. No doubt about it. See? Okay. Then you answered the question. Exactly. Yes. There's, I didn't have to think twice. Absolutely. Oh, would I rather go to the round of 32 and win the SEC or lose the lose the SEC regular season by one game but get to the Sweet 16? Sweet 16. Heck yeah. Who wouldn't? I mean, again, I like winning the SEC. We've won it two or three times under Bruce, right? And winning the SEC tournament is awesome because it's a big thing and it gets you a guaranteed spot in the tournament. But the NCAA tournament, and this is what you and I have talked about before, is I think this is what's going to happen to football. I 100% think this is what's going to happen to football, especially if they get rid of the conference championship games. If they get rid of the conference championship games, whoever finishes number one in the SEC, nobody's going to care because attention's immediately going to go to what seed are you going to get in the tournament, the playoffs. I'm sorry, the tournament, the playoffs. You know, same thing. Yeah, I agree. 
Yeah. I think you're right. All right. Um, now it's time to move on to talk. actually talk about the Georgia game. That was good. I appreciate I, you kind of putting that, that a little a good t- conversation. together. Well, you teed it up at the end of the last episode, and I really wanted to take a minute and just think about it. Well, I should have known Pat would have something good to say. Pat's pretty smart. He's a smart cookie, so I'm glad you talked to him about it. All right. Saturday went well. Yes. Oh, that game, though, John, did the at one point the announcer said what I was thinking, which is, why isn't Auburn like 20 points ahead by now, right? It felt like the entire second half we should have been up 20, and then you was like seven. And at one point it was like three. Yeah. So I started when, sweating a little bit got, when it was three. I was going to say, I, I was going to ask sweating. you this. When it got to three, were yeah. you really worried? Or I, were you well, really worried? I, it's like this. When it got to three, I'm like, we know this team has another couple of gears they're not in right now. But we were starting to get in foul trouble. And when both of our big guys had three fouls and they cut it to three, I'm like, we're going to have to go to a small line. This is what's funny. I'm sitting there thinking, we got to go to a small lineup and just try to go play fast and run around. And what does Bruce do? He puts them both in there together. That was like the exact opposite of what I expected. And it was like evil genius <laughs> you know it's like is steve spurrier coaching our basketball team suddenly coming up with some crazy thing out of his butt what did you think about that it was great i mean i think it was it was definitely part of the plan and a response to Jalen being out right yeah that yeah. we had a big hole at power forward we couldn't play cheney johnson the whole time mm-hmm. so we had to make up the minutes we played some chris moore at power forward but also we played Dylan, it's powerful for to play. You know, mm-hmm. he and Broom kind of played, both played up front, and I think it was really smart. They had not, they had played together for like a minute in the Indiana game, and that okay. was it. Yeah, and otherwise we hadn't done it. But you know, they could, they clearly can make it work. Mm-hmm. And while they were in the game, we dominated rebounding. Yeah. Like we absolutely controlled the boards while the two of them were in the game, and it really kind of helped us pull away from Georgia and take control. And it gives other teams something to think about now that we're still mm-hmm. going to play. I know. I I thought, and that makes sense that that would be one. I, I yeah, I get the sense that maybe Bruce came up with three or four options for addressing the lack of Jalen, and that was one they hadn't pulled out of their pocket yet. And Bruce was kind of like, let's just do it. Let's just have some minutes. So let, let's try it and see what happens. And it, and it was cool. It worked really well. And I like the idea that when they're both out there, the referee's like, which one do I call the foul on? i got to call a foul on one of them, but I don't know which one. But you made a good point about Georgia got back in the game because they were calling a lot of fouls, and Georgia got a lot of free oh, throws. Free throws, And yes. then one of the big things that happened is for the next few minutes after that, Auburn did the Sonny Smith thing. Defense without fouling. Yeah, they played yeah. great defense, and we didn't foul again. Yeah. And that was the only way Georgia was hanging around. We got they got it down to three on us, and then we went on like a twelve to nothing run, mm-hmm. and put it right back out. And then of course they cut it back to nine again. And they were, I give Georgia credit. Georgia was good at like they never gave up. They never quit. They never collapsed. They kept Georgia. I don't know if they believed it, but Georgia kept trying. They kept thinking that they could they could come back, and they were till the very end. I mean, we won by what twenty one, but those mm-hmm. twenty that but it was I guarantee you with two or three minutes to go, it was not twenty one. It was probably like eleven or seven or something. Yep, that and was all the very end. 
I mean, Georgia's played teams tough at home. They were up mm-hmm. big on Alabama and I think Kentucky, yeah. and both those teams came back to beat them. But Georgia mm-hmm. was ahead of both of them yeah. by like 10 points at home at one point. So the thing that Auburn did well was, and this I want to talk about this, is Auburn shook up the starting lineup. Yes. And that starting lineup started hot. They did. Yeah, no no Trey Donaldson. Uh, Aiden, I thought that was interesting, right? Because Aiden Holloway has not only kind of been in the doghouse in terms of his shooting and stuff and some making some mistakes, I think he's been getting in his own head a little bit too. You could kind of see him out there frustrated. And, and, and that's understandable. Again, he's young, and when things are suddenly not going his way, after they've probably gone his way his entire life up to this point, because he's very, very talented – um, and I'm not, and I don't mean that in a negative about him. It's just like I'm sure he hasn't had to deal with this kind of adversity before, and so it was taking a little toll on him. And I thought it was neat that rather than piling on by just telling him go sit on the bench, Bruce like stuck him out there and said get better, you know. And he did. And and once again, I'm like I wish you could put a few of these shots in your pocket for games where we need them. I, I must say this. I I feel bad about this. I am an absolute. Aiden Holloway believer and I have been the whole season and I haven't I feel like I haven't defended him enough on this podcast okay I think he is very talented and I think this game could be the start of him coming back to life yeah, offensively I so. that I think there will be a game before the end of this season when we're in a tournament game when Aiden Holloway leads the team in scoring I think there's been one game this season where he led the team in scoring. You know which game that was? It's off the top of my head. It's Baylor. The very first game. Because you know why? He took a lot of inside shots in that game. I, I think team part of what's happened is this happens in all sports, in baseball with pitchers and hitters, but it happens in basketball too. Coaches in SEC are smart. And they study the tape and they figure out what you can do well and they're like, well, we're not giving you that. Mm-hmm. Whatever yeah. shot you like, you're not getting that shot. Yeah. We're gonna have you. You could do these other things, but the the things you like to do, we're gonna take that away. And teams took away the sh- the places he liked to shoot and the rhythm he liked to shoot with, and it bothered him. It the, the spaces on the floor he liked to get to have good clean shots, and the way he liked to shoot, teams were like, no, we're not giving him that. And they took that away. So then he was having to shoot shots that weren't his comfort places right Hmm. and i think his conf you're right i think his confidence was down it's not an ability thing his ability is still up there at the ceiling his confidence was down and i think part of what they did in this game that i thought was smart a lot of the time he has to create his shot like on the dribble like dribble around a screen and then shoot a three-pointer or something and a couple times in this game we ran him around without the ball and then threw him the ball like he was off a screen, like he was a shooting guard or something. So he caught the ball, you know, on a pass from another player and then shot three-pointers and stuff. And I think that helped. Yeah. But I also think the, the being aggressive and driving thing helps too. I think that a play, a, you know, a game or two ago where he drove to the basket and laid it in, I think helped him too. So. Yeah. Yeah. Two two quick things before I forget them. One about Aiden Holloway, and, and that made me think of one thing I felt like this Auburn team has not done well is crisp, accurate, fast passing to the open man. They don't do that well. And it, what it does is it causes them to take a lot of contested or bad shots. And in games 
that we lose, it's because we miss a lot. And I think that part of the reason we miss a lot in those games is that we are taking bad or contested shots. And I think the reason we're taking bad and contested shots in those games is that we are not good at getting a guy open and getting the ball to him while he's still open. Over and over again, the ball gets to a, to a person who's in a position to make a shot, and by the time the ball gets to him, there's somebody right in his face. Yeah. I've seen that happen over and over and over. You watch other teams, Alabama particularly is really good at it. You know, pass, 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 open man three. We're more like pass, 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 oh, bring it back out. Pass, pass, get it to Janai. Oh, it's not there. Pass. Shot from the AU logo. Miss. No rebound. The other team has the ball. That over and over that. Now, the other thing I want to say the, about, about other teams playing us, because you make a good point about um, us not being able to get in our comfort zone shooting in a lot of games. I feel like the games, and I said this last week, the games that we lose tend to be the ones where regardless of how good our opponent is at defense during the season, against us they play lights out, in your face, extended out past the circle, disruptive defense. Alabama did it to us the first time. Kentucky did it to us. Ole Miss, oh no, uh, Mississippi State did it, right? Mm -hmm. It's when they come out and they're just in our shorts the whole time we have the ball. We can't do anything. They're just out just right in our face the entire possession and we end up again making bad shots because we can't get the shot we want and i felt like georgia did not do that to us and so the combination of five day or seven days of rest and georgia not playing that super aggressive extended defense we made shots in this game and I think some of the what you're talking about about the def, the style of defense is you got to have the players right, mm-hmm. and I think that I think Georgia just doesn't have the guys right That's that it. Kentucky or Alabama or Florida had or, to be able to do that, and so I think you know. We'll talk about the Tennessee game in a few minutes. I think they have some of those guys, so I think that's a that's a danger in that game. Well, Chad Baker Mazzara said the guy in, he said I realized the guy in front of me couldn't stop me, couldn't defend me. Yeah, and he just went off. That's not gonna. Ha- Don't start thinking. Oh, Chad Maker Mazzara is the is the secret sauce. It's that when we played Georgia, the guy guarding him couldn't guard him. That may not be the case against Tennessee, right? <laughs> that may not be the case at all. I don't think. No, Chad's if I'm gonna, Tennessee, I'm like I'm like. Put yeah, a guy. That on guy's him. not beat me. Yeah, he's not going to get 25 against Tennessee, but hopefully he'll get what he needs to get. You know, which is with without Jalen, it's going to be more. I mean, that was what was interesting. I kept thinking. With Jalen out, watching that game and watching Chad Baker, Mazzara, and the other guys step Change up. Johnson. Change Johnson. Mm-hmm. The guys that stepped up. I kept thinking this is like when in, in 84 we lost Bo Jackson for six games and we went 6-0 and because Collis Campbell and Kyle Collins and Brent Fullwood all stepped up. And they're not as good as Bo Jackson, but as a kind of a committee, you know, they got the job done. And this is the same thing here, is that no one of them is necessarily better at what Jalen does than Jalen is. You know, you'd rather have him than not have him. But together, they were able to make – they were, t- together, they were able to replace what we lost from him with equivalent, you know what I'm saying, scoring the, and defense. The other the – other, I, I like that analogy. The other one uh, – Bill Simmons talks about the Ewing theory, 
Okay. And it relates to when Patrick Ewing was in the NBA, he was like a you know, an all-pro kind of player, an MVP caliber player. But a couple times he got hurt. And then these other guys on his teams that were kind of complementary pieces, they all looked around and said, well, he's not here to carry the load anymore. We all have to step up. Everybody mm-hmm. has to raise the level of their game, and they're free to do so now because this guy who was the centerpiece mm-hmm. is gone. And right. so – then these players rise to levels that you kind of didn't think they had. And in some cases, the team can, for stretches, be better. Now, right. this doesn't mean that I don't want Jalen Williams back because we're better with him. Oh, exactly. That's that, that was a point I very clearly wanted to make was yes. I'm not no, I'm saying not, we've I'm better saying with that. that. But, but, but I think yeah. you exactly what you were saying is that without Jalen there and without the ball going to Jalen or Jalen taking shots, we need somebody else to step up and assume some of that mantle offensively. And Chad Baker, Mazar, and Chaney Johnson and Aiden Holloway did it. And and I think if Jalen had played in that game, he would have had 30. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, he would have had everything that Chad Baker, Mazar had and a little bit of the other guys, yeah, so – but yeah, no, I think that's right. I think that's right. So, um, what else did we? I think we've covered everything, haven't we? We talked about we pretty the, covered it. Other than just, I thought Janai Broom was steadying at, yeah. at times in the game when Georgia was trying to come back. We'd get him the ball, and he'd he'd make big baskets, make stuff happen. And that's the thing with him is when when even when his stats, any one particular, like he's not scoring a lot. He's had games he has like zero points in the first half or something, but he him being in there is way better than him not being in there. And you know it's making a difference regardless of how many how many rebounds or, or whatever we have going on. So, um, But, yeah, so SEC down the stretch, we're, t- we're tied for second effectively, right? We're one game yes. out of first place. So it's Alabama and Tennessee at the top and then Auburn and, and South Carolina? South Carolina. And then Kentucky and Florida, I believe. I think it's like yes. three tiers. There's Alabama and Tennessee, Auburn and South Carolina – and then Kentucky and Florida. Yeah, Alabama, Tennessee are eleven to three. South Carolina and Auburn are ten and four. Florida, Kentucky are nine to five. Yeah, and we went over you know Tennessee's schedule. It's pretty brutal down the stretch. Yep, there's a lot of chances for them to lose. Absolutely. Alabama plays at Ole Miss Saturday, then Tennessee at home, then they go to Gainesville oh, and play nice. at Florida. Let's go Gators, baby! With Arkansas at home, yeah, go Gators. <laughs> That's the only time we're ever doing that. All right. Uh, Yeah, I I think it's a real chance that uh, you're going to see some of these other teams lose down the track. Again, like we're tied with South Carolina. They got to play Tennessee. One of them's losing. It's going to happen. That's right. Either either one of them losing helps us, right? That's right. So. Again, I think we're in a great position to end in the top four, get that double by in the SEC tournament. But there's also a scenario we win this game against Tennessee, we could win the whole freaking thing. We could, we absolutely could. If we, because this is the hardest game of the four by by stri- by no small stretch. This is the hardest game of the season. Like when I saw it the is. schedule at the beginning of the yeah. season, this is the first game I circled and said I think we're going to lose that game. That's right. So we're what's our record right now? Uh, Eleven and four, you said, or ten and four, nine and four, ten and four, ten and four. And right. we're, so we're twenty-one and six and ten and four. So the final four team went eleven and seven. We're going to win more than one more game the rest of the way. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm just write that down. We're going to win more than one game the rest of the way. We could win four, but we're going to win more than one for sure. Right? You know, lock it Agreed. in. 
Um, all right, so Tennessee is uh, 6 o'clock Central Wednesday night. At least it's a nice early game. That's good. Um, the Who's this Dalton Connect guy? So probably the, the best offensive player for sure in the SEC, probably SEC player of the year right now ahead of Janai. Mm. Um, they're all American. Uh, the, probably the best scorer in the SEC. He's a, he's a wing for Tennessee, and he's a – Really good player, very smooth. Uh, could you know a guy that if you told me somebody on their team put up thirty, it's him. So uh, he can get hot and he could cause all kinds of problems to the other team. He's going to be a big challenge for us. Again, they have also have those experienced guards, uh, Vasovi and that other guy that we played before with them, uh, Josiah Jordan James, some of those other yeah. bigger guys on the inside. They're going to bang it with our forward. So I think they have a. They're really good defensively, like Auburn. So then they can score too. But like Auburn, they're an excellent defensive team. So this may be a game where these two good defenses just lock onto each other, and for you know stretches of this game, nobody scored a whole bunch of points. Or not certainly not going to be any easy baskets. I could say that. Under Bruce, we tend to do well against Tennessee. Abnormally well. He likes this game. Yeah. In other words, Tennessee and Kentucky too, right? We tend to do much better under Bruce against Tennessee and Kentucky than we ever did historically. And and, and in a period when Tennessee's really about as good as they've ever been at basketball. Oh, yes. With with uh, with their current coach, the dude looks like a senator. Rick Rick Barnes. Yeah, that guy. The Texas slash Clemson guy. Now Sounds like a senator's name, too. Just he, orange schools. What's the deal with him? He changed the wardrobe. Clemson, Texas, and Tennessee. Not just orange and whatever, but just orange, right? They're all orange and nothing. That's weird. All right. Um, he likes orange, man. He, he likes his orange. Well, I don't want him, so he can't come here. Um, and you know why Dalton is so good? It's all that fighting, beating up people at the roadhouse. See if that reference gets by anybody. Yeah, they're making a sequel on Amazon Prime. I heard about that. I'm totally in. I love that movie. That's one of those guilty pleasure movies, right? Where it's just like it's so bad, but I love it. It's so I just that's a terrible movie, but I always enjoyed it. When the big oh, bear falls on the guy, that just absolutely cracks me up every time. The name is Dalton. Um, let's see. And then Saturday, March second, Mississippi State at Neville at the Peacock. At three o'clock central on SEC Network, and we—I'm glad we're getting another shot at them because we had no business losing to them. It was just one of those games. We played like dog crud in that game, yeah, and it was mystifying how we lost. I think the, the yep. officiating was terrible. I think we were kind of that was right after the Alabama game in Tuscaloosa, and I think yep. that game, we had a bit of a hangover from that game. Mm-hmm. And at home, that is not going to happen again. Nope. But we're getting take, revenge on those guys. Take down the doggies. Um, all right, finally, and then we'll be done with basketball. Finally, what is the deal with Bruce and these rumors again? Louisville again, and now Ohio State? I mean, Bruce Internet is Internet rumor means nothing. Okay, I'm just saying, 63, I, is he renegotiating his contract again? Is this a, what's his I, name, uh, agent? No, I don't, I don't, I don't. I don't think it's that. I think it here's the, here's what I think it is. I think these other places are de- you know are good basketball schools and are desperate to win and they're looking around going who's a coach who's at a place that he's better than. Yeah. Yep. Yep, yep. And yep. people think Bruce Pearl is better than Auburn, maybe we could get him. 
I don't think Bruce Pearl is going to leave. Uh, Bruce Pearl was in a tough place when Auburn hired him, and I think he's very grateful. I think we have given him everything he has asked for. Yeah. Um, and I think he is has tremendous success here. I think part of the question is, what could he get somewhere else that he can't get here? Yeah. Which I don't. I don't think the answer is anything. I think he can. He you know brings in top recruits. He clearly can. They attract. They want to come to Auburn, and I think we have great facilities. A great. He has a great staff. I, again, I think. I think this is the kind of thing that's manufactured by, you know, reporters and and people writing on the internet about other basketball teams who are looking around and they're like, I want to, we want to hire a good coach. Who would we love to hire? Who do we love to steal away? This, John, is the first test of what I'm saying. This is the first chance for Auburn to prove what I was just saying, right? In, in past years, basketball, if we had basically backed into, lucked into having a coach like this, the first time a quote-unquote real basketball school came along and waved real money at him, he'd be gone. You tell me I'm wrong. The first time a real That's basketball fair. program came, he'd it's be gone. Fair. If we can keep Bruce for as long as he's coaching, that shows that we have turned that corner, right? Um when we were writing the basketball book, I remember, I remember reading uh, a part, and it's in the book, where um, they said they fired Cliff Ellis. He was remember he was having like out mm-hmm. of every out of every three years, Ellis would have like one good year, one bad year, one mediocre year, right? Yeah. And they said that the the president, the board of trustees, the athletic director, all together decided we want to be better than that. And that's why they fired Ellis and tried to get Lebo and then Barbie. Because for whatever Lebo and Barbie turned out to be, at the time we hired them, they both seemed like making bigger commitments to basketball than what we'd made by hiring a guy that was supposedly burned out at Clemson. Right? Yeah. For all that Cliff Ellis turned out to be a really good coach, when we hired Cliff Ellis, he was not in demand anywhere. Yeah. He was like thinking about retiring, basically, or something. He was saying, I don't, I'm tired of basketball. I'm burned out. And um, going from Cliff Ellis to, to, to Lebo and Barbie, again, how it worked out is one thing because the, the commitment I don't think was there on the back end, but it was there at the front end. It represented that we were trying to turn that corner. And I think keeping Bruce shows that we have turned that corner, that we do have Al Davis's fabled commitment to excellence, right? And, and that's the first test. The second test is what do you do when you have to hire somebody after him? But the first test is show you're willing to fight and keep him. Yeah, I think we are. I hope so. I hope so. And there are a couple other things in the column I read about it. Uh, one was that um, Bruce, if he's going to leave for the job, it's going to be in the next couple of years because he's already 63. And I mean, I think he can keep coaching for more years, but I don't think somebody would, I don't think a big school with the money to get him away from us would want to hire him once he's 65, 66 years old. You know what I mean? At that point, they're going to be looking for somebody younger, even if they had the money to outbid us or something for Bruce. So I agree that if he's going to leave us for another big school, it'll be now or never. Does that make sense to you? It does. And I think it's, I think it's not going to happen. Right. The other thing he said was, would you sweeten the pot by having basically a coach in waiting with Stephen Pearl? And you and I have talked about this too, that I'm, I don't know. I don't, 
I'll put it this way. I don't know enough about Stephen Pearl to say whether I would favor his hiring or not. You and I talked about Golden at Florida, and I, I stand by that. But if there was a sense among people other than Bruce Pearl that Stephen Pearl was the next big thing, I'd, I'd give him a two- or three-year chance, right? See if he could keep the ball rolling. I, I'm not against that. What if Bruce asked for that as a condition to stay? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I would be at this point. If Bruce Pearl came to Auburn and said, I will stay if Stephen Pearl is the coach after me. That's fine with me. Because you give him a couple, three years. If it works out, you've got your young, up-and-coming, awesome coach. If it doesn't work out, you say, Stephen, we gave you a fair shot. Thank you for playing, and let's go get Golden. Who by then would be older and more experienced himself and maybe looking for a change of scenery. Yeah, and, and he wouldn't be and he wouldn't be following Bruce. So I feel like it's a win-win all the way around. So I'm okay with that. All right. Well, that was interesting. All right. So let's see. We've got coming up in a bit. We've got um, the uh, thank the patrons. We've got the uh, guess the game, of course. But what's going on in football? Uh, not a lot right now, I know. But what do you what do you think? Well, not a lot right this second. But get it, this week spring practice. Kind of snuck up on us. Wow. Yes. Wow. And, so, and I say you. We're going to have players out there stretching and throwing the football back and forth. So that's kind of exciting. And so I wanted to ask you uh, if you could learn the answer to one question in Auburn spring practice, what would that question be? I mean, everybody's going to be thinking about quarterback, right? But it would be nice to see the defensive line, the pass rush. Looking good. It's to see some I, to see some younger players stepping mm-hmm. up in that and some transfers stepping up in those positions. Yeah, yeah. That's I mean that goes a long way, and it's one of those it's one of those you kind of take it for granted, or you don't you don't notice you don't have it until you don't have it. You know what I mean? So, mm-hmm. I I would vote for like I want to see some passing game. I want to see some improved passing game, and not just like the quarterback play, but you know, Cam Coleman and, and uh, whatever other, uh, Bryce Hall are going through spring practice, and you know, get those. Mm. I want to see those guys. And you write it down right now. In a day, there's going to be a deep oh. pass to Cam Coleman. Oh like, that man, that is the lock of the century. It's going to happen. Yeah, the question is, can can our quarterbacks get the ball to him? Mm-hmm. And I hope after a day, our four receivers don't all enter the transfer portal. Oh my gosh, <laughs> I'm gonna be scared to death that we can't keep those guys because our quarterback play doesn't measure up. Or is there any chance that Peyton Thorne is not the starting quarterback on the first game? I I think first game is pretty low, but I've already said I think at some point this season somebody else will start at quarterback, and I would bet money if I had to bet that it's going to be Walker White. Mm-hmm. I don't want to get him killed no. this first time he steps foot on the field. I don't want to get him I don't want to do the thing where he's, you know, standing back there getting blitzed and yeah. getting hit and stuff and shaking his confidence. But I also like I I think there's gonna be an element of kind of uh he's an excellent athlete and there's not gonna be any fear there. So mm-hmm. man. All right. Well, um I see we have a new commitment from Delvin Williams. I didn't know Delvin was still had any eligibility left. Good job, Delvin. I had congratulations, Delvin. Uh, No, Devin Williams is our new cornerback commitment, a top 100 player out of uh, Buford, Georgia, a place we're both familiar with. Oh yeah. And uh, 
a, again, a big time player who's everybody in the South wanted. Really uh, came down to kind of us at Texas A&M and Notre Dame and a couple other schools, and we got him. And so it's a big, big deal. Big, big. Uh, other sign the recruiting is going where we want it. Very good, Buford. Buford Highway, the only place in America. Well, maybe not the only place where you have. Korean restaurants on one side of the highway and Mexican restaurants on the other side of the highway. It's an interesting cultural experience up there. Um, all right, so we've talked about the uh, the book signings. I won't I won't beat that dead horse again. Other than just to remind you, March eighth, the ninth, Birmingham and Auburn. Um, please come out. Please, we would really love to see you. And and I know that by the way, I do know that some people are coming and bringing books they already have to get us sign them. So that's fine. I I mean I'm sure the bookstores won't mind. They never do when they, when you do things like that. They prefer you buy something from them, but they they certainly don't mind if you bring something in, you know. Um, let's see. I'm still working on, and, and I, I asked John to look into this, too, because he's better at figuring these kind of things out than me. It, we want to do some kind of an email newsletter to go out to you guys, j- not all the time, but just every so often, just to let you know when things like this are going on, and you can forward it. That way, it's, it's a lot easier. You can forward it to your friends. Rather than saying, oh, if you listen to these guys' podcasts, they talk about No, just forward, forward the email, and it'll update you on things like that. So we'll, we're trying to get that together. It's crazy that like email newsletters cost like a fortune to, to if, you, if you subscribe to a service or something. I, I just thought, you know, you send out an email, how, how hard can it be? But anyway, we'll figure that out. All right, so we got to thank the patrons. The program has no ads other than us trying to get you to do stuff like come to our book signing. Um, because we have you patrons and we appreciate you guys so much. Uh, it works for us cause it keeps the, keeps the bills paid and the lights on here in our studios. And, and in fact, by the way, I'm thinking we're coming up on another equipment upgrade, John, my current equipment, my podcasting equipment, the computer and everything. Now it goes back to 2019. This is the one that made it through COVID, got me through COVID teaching online, doing all the podcasts and the YouTube videos, but the memory's about full. And I feel like spending a bunch of money to replace the memory on a computer that's already five years old might not be the best use of funds. So I'm thinking about setting a little bit of money aside and in a few months, just getting a whole new rig just so we can stay on top of uh, the technology and everything and not have, lag and stuff so but it also pays off for you guys because you get to do things like the uh ncaa tournament uh brackets that we'll be doing soon that's always fun and then uh, we'll have fantasy form in fact fantasy formula one may be starting up now i need to go in there and set up the uh set up the league john i think that the season is is like the season is nigh upon us so we're gonna have that and march madness both going be ready yeah Fantasy, because the Formula One offseason is very short. So I'll go ahead and set up the Fantasy Formula One League again and get that out to uh, the link out to all the patrons. And, you know, and I've always said, by the way, if, if you patrons have loved ones or friends that you want to, you know, share the link or whatever with, that's, you know, I don't, I'm not going to kick anybody out because it's, we have room for as many players as we want in that. So. I don't think anybody's going to be mad if they see somebody that's, you know, that's the child of a patron or something. That's fine. So more the merrier in that. So here are the fine folks. Oh, I didn't open it. I knew I forgot something. Um, I got to go into the Patreon page. It'll take two seconds. And I'm just checking while, to make sure. While Van is doing yes. that, I just want to say I also appreciate the patrons. Thank you for your support of this program. And we appreciate you. And... And also, like I, we've said this before, 
Sometimes when you're doing a podcast, it seems like you're a voice yelling into the void. And uh, we appreciate the feedback that we get from you. It helps. Thank you. Thank you, John. Well said. And it did get me time to get to the point where I can say, here are the fine folks who went to www.auwishbone.com, www.auwishbone.com, and clicked on the button, the big orange button, in fact, to become a patron. There's also other cool stuff there as well, I always forget to mention. They include good old Samuel Salvatore, who I'm hoping we're going to get to meet in Auburn on March 9th. Finally, it'd be awesome to meet Samuel, who likes to point out to us that tonight's forecast. A freeze is coming. With pearl white snow. And maybe Pearl Jr. someday. Carl Von Drunker, Chris and Clinton Stewart, Dr. Crackham. Logan Chilton, when I heard rule Britannia, Britannia was gone, I said... No! And I'm going to stop that one there because we have another one coming up in just a second. I'm going to play the whole thing then. Uh, let's see. Ann Pridgen, Bill Weathers, Bradley Blackman, David W.D.E. Salmons Esquire, Earl Ricks, Eric Morgan, Gary Grant, a.k.a. AU Fan at KSC, the 2023 AU Wishbone NCAA Bracket Challenge Champion. Woo! All right. Um, I remember that him winning now. Uh, if Carol Shelby... <laughs> These are always so good. If Carroll Shelby would have seen the Alabama and Georgia fan bases on Saturday, he would have said, "I don't speak Italian, but he ain't happy." And that that reminds me, I need to go see the I need to see the Ferrari movie. I've heard the Ferrari movie is really good, and um, you know Ford versus Ferrari was awesome. So I'm figuring it's kind of like Godzilla, and then Godzilla versus Kong. They're doing it backwards. They start out with Ford versus Ferrari. Now they're just doing Ferrari. And then when they do the Ford movie, I can just skip that one completely because I couldn't care less. <laughs> just skip the Ford movie. Um, I told you I was one of the few people in the theater that was rooting for Ferrari and Ford versus Ferrari. And I don't care. I'll say it again. I was rooting for Ferrari. Um, let's see. Matt Flowers, Michael Kirshner, Phil Amthor, the new sound. Oh, Phil Amthor says... <laughs> always enjoy john's interpretive moves for that it's it's so nice uh let's see richard stevens good old richard starting july 12th when carol has a message for all the gamers on ncaa football 24 which is i am the only daddy you got i am the damn pedophilias that's so good i I, it makes me wish that i like playing those things anymore i did when i was younger but not anymore steve trawick susan trawick trombone tiger willie carden alex brown Auburn Football's Elvis, Ben Bloodworth, Bleeds Orange and Blue, Bob W.D.E. Salmons Esquire, a.k.a. 76 Tigers, Sleazy Shyster for... Jones Barbecue Foot Massage! Uh, Chad McDowell, Chris Hilton, Chris Thrash, Daniel Odom, Bobby, Harry Zagger, H-Town, Danny. I got my daughter a handbag from Iraq. She said, thanks for the bag, Dad. Oh, that one hurt. <laughs> come on, come on, man. <laughs> that one, that, if, if, if you didn't laugh at that one, blame yourself. That's right. Um, in home, Hugh, Jacob, and Robin Fleming, John Ringer for president, dun, 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 dun. Catherine England, um, my fellow Americans. There it is. Uh, Kevin Smith, Lane Middleton, Mickey B. 
Um, oh, our good old... Um, Tonight's forecast. A freeze is coming. I do enjoy that one a lot. Well, I'm not a crook. Not me sitting here getting my hopes up. That could apply to a lot of things. That's fair. Algo, Rhythm and Blues, Paul Miles, Rhodesian Mudflap. The Rhodesian Mudflap persists. <laughs> got to get your immunization for the Rhodesian Mudflap. You got to right get now. your shot. You got to get your shot. Don't listen to what they say, man. You need that shot. For, or you get that Rhodesian Mudflap. It lingers around for weeks. You have that dry cough. It gives you that dry cough, John. <laughs> it's no good. It's no good. You don't Rich, want any part of that. No. Rich Reimer. Uh, Rusty Owen, Steve Harlan, Theodore Gary, Todd Robinson, Wade Ward, Walker White, QB1 says, let's hit the big one. Freeze. Freeze. Ice. Freeze. Ice. Winter five and frozen. Ice. Freeze. Winter ice. Ice. Freeze. Winter. Winter. Freeze. Cold. Frosty. Frosty. Uh, let's see. WD Richie, Walker White for QB1. So he's on board with that. Wes Atkinson, William Morgan. Winston Body, Auburn Blue, Bama was grabbing face masks like it was a national title for the 1920s. Oh, here it comes. He's in studio tonight for his. Blake Heron, Boris the Tiger. What? Welcome to the studio, Boris. He brought Weagle with him, by the way. So we have uh, Weagle the Eagle down here. It's, it's quite the celebrity what? conflagration. Welcome to both of them. Thanks. They're excited to be here. They're ready to dominate yet another contest that we run. Brandon Smith, Charles Mooney, and by the way, <laughs> this is so good. Jared, Jared, Jared won the bowl pick him the first year, and I've said this before, but he cracked me up when he was like, "Like you make a big deal out of Boris winning it in year two, but I won it in year one." I'm like, "I'm sorry, man. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to." And then, so the other day, when he said he couldn't come, Jared can't come to our book signing because he's got a convention like in Florida. And I said, well, well, Boris is going to be there. And he's like, there goes Boris upstaging me again. <laughs> I love it. The, the Boris-Jared rivalry is just like going to new heights. It's like uh, Hulk Hogan and, and um, Ric Flair or something. You know, it just keeps escalating. And, and, and to which Boris says, Whether you like it or not, <laughs> learn to love it. Because it's the best thing going today. So I, I await Jared's response uh, in maybe next week's Guess the Game. We'll see what he comes up with. He always is, He's always really good with that. Um, Brandon Smith, Charles Mooney, Corey Smyer, David D., David Simpson, first sleaze and now Durkin, just hire Bryles as OC and be done with it. I mean, there's some sense, sense to that. Josh Teal, Kevin Mahan, Lutheran Kelly Ottaway, Mandy Thompson, Melissa Blackstone, Papa Todd, Patrick Williams says... Whether you like it or not... Learn to love it, because it's the best thing going today. Woo! That was Weagle singing along. Uh, let's see. Philip Martin, Randall Walker, Rob Morgan, Russell Milling, Sarah Hines, Sasquatch, Shane Bailey, Shannon Butson, Stephen Houston, Tim Pittman, Timothy, Tony Perry, Weagle 87, Woody the Jag, at the Mad Reaper Pepper Company. I haven't had any Mad Reaper Pepper sauce lately. I it. it it damaged me, I think. It, it broke me a little bit, but I'm going to go back to it soon. A few more patrons left. Alex Wynn, A, you falling up. Barles, Charkley, Ben Amos, Ben Regis, Chris Como, Chris Braun, 
And finally, Clay Henson, Construction Tiger, Daniel Barnett, Daniel Witten, Darren Pyle, Elizabeth Donald. We uh, get better at celebrating. I am Tiger, evil HR director, and you're therefore responsible for all these other people who work at Jones Barbecue and Foot Massage. We Jones have their in- Barbecue oh. and Foot Massage. Double. We have like their entire staff in our patrons now. Uh, I guess we're, I'm, I'm glad we're supported by the staff of such a wonderful business. I'm telling you what. I'll buy this for a dollar. James Taylor, Jim McCrory, John Otsuki, Joey Miller, JT Jarhead, Justin Bean, Kenneth Brent Rains always reminds us that the barbecue... You have failed me for the last time. Probably not. A.K.A. Auburn Dad for life. Mark Squire. By the way, I went to um, The Beast, the other go- allegedly good barbecue place in our area, because I did have a really good smoked turkey barbecue sandwich there about a month or two ago. And I went at like 5... 30 on a Wednesday and the doors were locked 5.30 on a Wednesday after work because they close at 3. Who closes at 3? I, Our primo barbecue place in Richmond is EZQ. Their, their deal is like they open at 11.30 and they close when they run out. When they run and out, they, yeah. Sometimes they don't make it to dinner. Wow. That's something. So yeah, I did not in fact have the beast. I'll have to, I said, and I didn't want to drive all, Sugar Fire is the best in our whole area, but they're all the way up on the, at the, on the other side of the interstate. Like we're down here miles below Belleville. They're up on, so like there's where we are, then there's Belleville, which is the Metro East St. Louis. Then there's the Fairview Heights area. Then there's the interstate and then there's Sugar Fire. So it's quite a, it's like 45 minutes each way, right? So I'm like, yeah, forget it. So I went and got like Taco Bell or something. Quite a drop off there, let me just Oof. say. Oh. Yeah. You get your mouth set for good barbecue and you end up getting Taco Bell. It's just not right. It's not right. MVP, the captivating Kathy Bright. You don't have any friends. Nobody likes you. New York Tiger ate a kid's meal at McDonald's and boy was the kid's mom mad. <laughs> That seems right. I would think so. Paul Bankson, Rich Hammett, Royce Alvarez, Russell Souther, Ruth, and Darren Sutherland. So if Aubie has a statue now, when does Boris get his? Oh, amen to that. Amen to that. Boris is, lo- is loving that idea. Well, you know, Aubie has a hat with Aubie's picture on it. And Boris has a hat with Boris's picture on it. So, hmm, I'm thinking statue is soon. What do you think, B? Uh, I love it. I love it. Spanky, I'm at the bottom of this list because... Scott Wilson! Back while you can, the monkey boy. Sports Illustrated's Auburn Elvis, Stephen Thompson, Steve Bailey, the Slinko family, Tim Sauls, Trevor Johnson, Brent Rumble, plus our one-time and anonymous donors. We thank you all. Go to www.auwishbone.com. Com. We do not have <clears throat> we do not have a worst coaches in the world. I save that for when they when they really deserve it, right? When there's really something to talk about. So we're just going to go straight into everybody's favorite segment. Hello, Van, John, and the rest of the AU Wishbone family. This is Jared Albrick, the yard sale artist here with guest the game number 15. Guess the Game 15 is brought to you by Josh Corbett. Let's see what Josh sent in. So the rest of those tailbacks in the backfield, 2007 on the fake, and it's intercepted. And that's who took that 
best, like, push pass from And Auburn gets their second interception of the season and will take over at the 38-yard line. I'm not even sure what they were trying to accomplish right here. You see, it's a fake all the way. He's... All right, guys, I will see you in the hint file. All right, so announcers seem like that's like the ESPN D-level team. Yeah, that's that's a – I mean, that's either like ESPN 8 o'clock at night. No, um, it's like, that's like the SEC Network backup team kind of. So, I, Yeah, I, I, was, I was in fact thinking that it might be the uh, – the, I've rearranged the dang message board and I can't find anything anymore. But I was thinking it might be uh, the um, – oh. The 11 a.m. Jefferson Pilot time slot of death. I mean, it had the flavor of that. But no, I, it, it I, had that. Yeah. All right. And so then they referenced 2007. I don't know if you heard that. So I it was didn't after that. 2007. Hmm. Since then. And it seemed newer. I think it was in the last 10 years for sure. And he, ref- he made it sound like it was a fake punt or something that Auburn intercepted. A shovel pass. Intercepted. And in. Um, unless it was one of the years we just never created a turnover. So, is there did did that make you think of anything? Was there a game or a play that made you? You know, the only little tiny faint bell it rings for me at all. What about the West Virginia rain game? Didn't we maybe intercept a shovel pass from that big slow quarterback that they had? Maybe. Maybe. And maybe. and I and I feel like that game was early in the season. And if it was only our second interception of the season, they said, right? So it wasn't like Georgia or Alabama because it wouldn't be the second interception of the season, I hope. No, no. Okay. I, I, that's a good theory. Let's go to the hit file. All right. So we're, we're, we're penciling in 2009 West Virginia. Welcome to the hint file. Let's get rid of the bleeps. Give it another listen. So the rest of those tailbacks in the backfield 2007 on the fake and it's intercepted and that's Chandler Wooten who took that fast like push pass from Sam Loy and Auburn gets their second interception of the season and will take over at the Arkansas 38 yard line oh well we know who it is I'm not even sure what they were trying to accomplish right here you see, Loy, it's, it's a fake all the way. He's- Loy. Okay, gentlemen, I will see you in the answer file. Right. So it was a fake. It was a fake punt or something, and he was the up back and tried that. And Chandler, okay, Chandler Woot was on. C. Woot was the linebacker. He was on the, he played uh, like 17 to 19. Somewhere in there, yeah. It was definitely for yeah. Gus. I think he was in the 17 to 19 range and, you know, played, yeah. I uh, I feel like he played in the 2019 win over Alabama. Um, Could it, Loy was the Loy an Alabama guy? Maybe no, no. He that was the this was the Arkansas. Oh, Arkansas, game. right? That's so right. we got to figure out which one of those years yeah. it was. Oh my gosh, I have no idea. I mean, I have it's well, equally any one let's of those. Say, okay, did we lose to Arkansas in any of those years? Because that would be out. <sighs> well, we beat Arkansas in 16 like a drum, and we. We beat him in 19 because wasn't that the game you and I went to maybe that year? <laughs> or did we go to the Georgia game that year? 
We, you and I went to an no, Arkansas game. We went to the game. Georgia game because that was the game where uh, Bodex was a came furiously back, and we had the yeah. onside kick and stuff. We, we, so maybe we went to the Arkansas game in eighteen. That would be in Auburn. I couldn't tell if that was a home or away game, though. I couldn't tell. I same. think we're trying. I to was pick just one. trying to remember if, if, like, which ones we won because we knew it would. I know. I well, I, again, I know we. I know we beat Arkansas in sixteen, but seventeen, eighteen, nineteen. I don't. Seventeen, we were good, right? I feel like one of those years, Arkansas was just terrible. Remember, there was the game, the year where all they had was like some special teams, and we just beat the snot out of them. I, I feel like that was eighteen or nineteen that we just absolutely mm-hmm. carpet bombed them in Auburn. Yes, and I feel like all we right, went let's to that say, game. Yeah, because it was the year say, that we interviewed um, Brandon Marcello. That was when we went to the Arkansas game. So that okay. must have been that must have been eighteen. I was say eighteen then. All right, Arkansas 18. All right, John, Van, if you guys piece together that this is Auburn playing Arkansas in 2019, oh, you figured it out. Thanks, uh, Josh, for sending that in. If you'd like to be like Josh and send in a suggestion for Guess the Game, I can be found at Yard Sale Artist on Facebook, Instagram, and X. And you can also email me directly at Jared, that's J-A-R-R-O-D, at theyardsaleartist.com. Until next time, Van, John, And We were so close, and yet wrong. <laughs> oh, man. That was a good one. Frustrating, but thank you to Josh and, and Jared. That was a good one. Challenging one. Yep. And, and Jared, we will miss you in... Uh, Birmingham and Auburn. All right, and now... Thank you. Order questions to the Prime Minister. It's time for listener questions. Dun, 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 on the AU Wishbone Podcast. Then so be it. So be it. All right, what do we got in the listener mail? All right, we got a few Wister emails. The first is from a, a new Wister emailer, Matt Epperson, who says, War Eagle, guys. I really enjoyed several things about the basketball win over Georgia. Road wins are tough to get. Jalen looked to be in good spirits. Holloway had a good shooting night and all the different combinations of players we hadn't seen before. Since Jalen should be back before the postseason, my main concern is how many fouls the team is committing. This Mm. was an issue at the start of the season, but I remember thinking during the 11-game win streak, they were much improved at playing defense without fouling. The last several games have been absolute foul fest. What do you think is the major cause of this regression? A, Auburn playing with less discipline. B, opponents making concerted efforts to draw fouls. C, refs calling the games tighter. Love the show. Yes, is the answer. Matt Epperson. Thank you, Matt. Yeah, no, I think all the above. I, I definitely think that teams are going at us to try to draw fouls, and I think that referees have been going in that direction with it, especially some games lately. Um, so, no, I agree with him completely there. I, I think some of it is um, opponents are making concerted efforts to draw fouls. Um, I think you know, Auburn's defense is really good, and one of the ways to score is get Auburn to foul you. And so yes. I think uh, unless you have elite kind of shot makers it, it's a strategy that you know has kept some teams in games against us stop the clock get to the free throw line and be able to shoot uncontested shots absolutely that's it's what kept georgia going in the early second half for sure that's right there's no doubt all right no doubt. our next there, question there's, there's from no Sam, doubt. our next question is from samuel salvatore who says Sam. hello guys at war eagle war eagle Sam. he says are 
are we about to lose Coach Pearl? What's y'all's take on him being linked to this Ohio State job? Yeah, that was I was all I the first I heard of it was was Samuel asking about it. And then I went and found that article that I referenced. So that's why I was concerned. But you're telling me I shouldn't be running around my hair on fire and I'm willing to I'm willing to go with that for now if you feel like I shouldn't. That's my view of it. Okay. I hope I, you're right. Next question is from Bill Miner, who says Guys, in the midst of a competitive season in the conference, which of the two conference championships do you think it means more to go after the regular season mm. or the conference tournament? Both are great accomplishments, but are different in how to win. Yes. It is refreshing to have these accomplishments in play rather than trying to avoid playing on the first day of the conference tournament because we stink. Thanks, Bill. Yeah. Um, I... I... The problem with the conference tournament, and I've pointed this out many times, and people don't like hearing it, is in in Bruce's nine seasons before now, how many of those nine seasons did we win a at least one tournament game? I think it's two. Isn't it? Two. The first, his first year, and the one we won it, the Final Four year. Every other year, we failed to advance past our first game if there was a game. Now, to be fair, I think the 2020 team yes. would have done really well. I'm, I'll always say it's such tragedy. They were that, hot. Oh, they, they were beat, so good. They won at Knoxville right at the last game of the regular season. Mm-hmm. They were ready to go for that conference. They tournament. were so ready to rock and roll in that tournament. It's just such a crime they didn't get to play it. But so that would make it maybe three if they did, in fact, go and win their, their at least their first game. But they didn't get to, so it's still two two times. I don't know what now, the deal is. We always get Texas A&M as part of it, and they always somehow have our well, number. I was going to say, I think this team has the ability to win a game. Having said that, if the season ended with the current projections, we would be playing like probably either Kentucky or Florida. Good gosh. Yeah. Well, we drew Florida the final four year, and we beat them in a really tough game. Mm-hmm. It helps to not play them in Gainesville. <laughs> yes. No, I think that's a big difference. The day is going to come that we haven't beaten Florida since any of the current Auburn players were alive. And I think that's right now, in fact, isn't it? I, I think we're already, say, we're already there, Van. I just think oh we're, my gosh. we're in you know LSU football territory here. Oh, God. Worse, yeah. Because that was 99. This is, what, 96? Mm-hmm. That's just ridiculous. But that streak's over. This streak's going. This one's going. It's absolutely ridiculous that we can't win a basketball game in Gainesville. That is absolutely ridiculous. And, ugh. It's just right, I would, I would go back to Bill's question. It, it, this season, right now, if I told you we could win one or the other, the regular season or the SEC tournament – which one would you pick? Well, since I think we're going to end up in the top four, regardless of the of the regular season, I'd rather win the tournament. I also like the idea of winning the tournament because then we're really hot at yes. the end of the year heading into the NCAA tournament. Plus, when you win a tournament, you know you had good guard play, and we need good guard play going into the NCAA tournament. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, if we, if we win the SEC tournament, we'll have beaten, like, you know, Florida, Alabama, Tennessee or something. Oh, yeah. That would be pretty good. Absolutely, yes. All right. Uh, Next email is from Josh Corbett who says, Boris, Van, and John, I sent you a a video on Twitter about the Tennessee and Virginia versus NCAA court case. I simply want your thoughts on the collegiate athletics moving forward. 
what model do you see the NCAA going to where the playoffs look similar to the NFL and are college sports dead as we knew them for years? War Eagle, and let's get ready for a March Madness run. Thank you, Josh Corbett. Playoffs? Don't talk about playoffs. You kidding me? Playoffs? I just I want to start by saying like the case specifically is about, you know, NCAA enforcement of rules about NIL from the early days of NIL. The, not the current rules, but when NIL first rolled out okay. and it was much more conservative than it is now, right. some schools were pushing the envelope in ways that were not then legal, mm-hmm. and the NCAA is fussing at them about it. Mm-hmm. They won a court case injunction against them, which basically allows collectives to offer players inducements in ways they were not able to before. Right. That's the difference. A lot of that was happening under the table before. I honestly don't think it's a dramatic difference. Um, I think the difference in college football is that we've seen is the transfer portal. And then I think what we, what Van referenced earlier, I think the playoff and the emphasis on the playoff and that being the measure of success is going to be the big difference in college football. Yeah, and it from everything I've heard, I was listening to some podcast of the day talking about this whole thing with Tennessee and all. And didn't they the judge? I thought it was Andy Andy Staples. He was talking about how the the judge ruled basically in Tennessee's favor, and they're blowing up the current NIL system all over again. It's all gonna have to like start all over again with a whole new system now. In a lot of ways, but the reality is this. There is no good, there's no NIL system. The Mm. NCAA failed to pass rules about NIL when they could see this coming the last 20 years. And so the system is based on a bunch of other court rulings where the NCAA got their lunch handed to them. They didn't create, you know, and think ahead. They could have done all that and we'd be in a much better place now. But they didn't. They waited until they were forced to do this. And then... The reason that we're here is because what is NIL? NIL is somebody beside the schools paying the players. Okay, mm-hmm. the schools aren't paying the players. We, the fans, are paying the players. That's what's happening. Yes, and they're trying to keep the players out of the billions of dollars of TV revenue. That's what's happening with this whole mm-hmm. thing. And so, at some point, they're going to keep losing because they, you know, haven't th- come up with a good proactive solution and they're going to end up having to pay the players that some of that money too. And that's what it's going to be. So I'm not, I don't think it's the end of college football, you know, or anything, but I think um, the the change to the system with the playoff and stuff is, is going to matter. They are looking at changing the calendar too. That's the other thing that's happening. They're looking at moving the, you know, the early signing period up into early December, um, which would be, you know, good because it would take it out of the transfer portal window, but mm-hmm. it would put it during the first round of the playoffs, which would oh, be boy. a challenge for those teams. So oh, there's no good solutions here. No. Um, but so that's, you know, I, I appreciate Josh's question there. Um, all right. And then our last email is from Trey Jackson, who says, again, his, the subject line of his email is Auburn basketball angst. <laughs> he says, hello, Van, John, and Boris. What? Boris getting a lot of love tonight, and I appreciate it. I do appreciate everybody copying Boris on the email. Mm -hmm. He says, you recently asked about Auburn basketball, how Auburn basketball fans should go about having the proper perspective of our team's successes and failures, how excited to be versus how distraught, et cetera. 
you mentioned that Bruce has raised the floor, and that's definitely true. So some recalibration is in order. I don't blame Auburn fans for not really knowing how to feel because basketball is so different than football. And Auburn basketball has been through highs and lows, so it's hard to get acclimated to giving such extremes. you got to love Auburn sports. That being said, I think there's one factor that keeps over being overlooked, and I hate to even bring it up. Uh-oh. I think the main reason Auburn basketball fans have started taking losses so hard is that Alabama is also good now. Yeah, and we feel that's the risk a good of being overshadowed point. in that sport too. Yes. I doubt Auburn will ever match their success in football, but in basketball, Alabama has been better historically, more tournament appearances, more mm-hmm. conference titles, but they've never been great. Auburn has reached higher highs and seemed poised to take that step from pretty good to great, meaning consistently relevant in terms of contending for the national title. For a time, it felt like Auburn could actually leave Alabama behind in basketball. But then they hired Nate Oates, and he's been very successful, even against Bruce. I think we take losses hard because if we lose and Alabama does well, or God forbid makes a Final Four and wins a national title, we will never hear the end of it. The fun of basketball success is being in uncharted territory will be gone. Auburn basketball being great while Alabama is just okay is so much fun because there's no pressure. But Auburn basketball being good while Alabama basketball becomes great feels like your happy place being invaded. Yes. Think about it this way. If Tennessee and Kentucky were Auburn's biggest challenges in the SEC the past few seasons and Alabama had been barely making NIT, would you be as frustrated with the losses? We all know that Alabama fans only really care about football, and they demonstrate that when they don't even show up to their own arena. If they start having more success in that sport, too, it will be awful. Sorry to sully the show with so much (laughs) Alabama talk, but you asked for basketball fan insights, so I thought it was worth sharing. War Eagle Trey Jackson. I'm not 100% that it's Alabama doing as much as he says, but I'm probably 90% with him there and and i think i think that's very legitimate that's a very much a a legitimate consideration um it definitely puts extra pressure or angst on the fans at least he's absolutely right that alabama historically has had more basketball success than auburn has in terms of like getting the tournament more often winning the sec more often alabama i think is like second behind kentucky and winning the sec which is insane and they went to the they went to the sweet 16 a lot yeah. Over the last 30 but years. The, the thing that we always had on them, though, was they had never been past the Sweet 16, and we've been to the Elite Eight. And then when they finally got to the Elite Eight, we went to the Final Four. So we always stay like one step ahead of them in terms of greatest accomplishment. And uh, the other thing we've always had on them is like, you know, Charles Barkley. So we still have the greatest player that's ever played in the state of Alabama in basketball. So we've been to the Final Four, and we have Charles Barkley. They don't have either. They don't have anything to measure to, up to either one of those. So they can have all the Sweet Sixteens and SEC tournament, SEC regular season titles they want. You know, Wimp Sanderson won them several. It was basically when Kentucky didn't, when something happened to Kentucky, they were on probation or whatever. Alabama would be the one to backdoor in. That was what it was. Because like in a twenty-year stretch, Kentucky would win like seventeen. And then Alabama might win two of the other three because they backed in when Kentucky was on probation or something. And then that's, something fooky would happen the other year at LSU would win. That's, yeah, Dale Brown would be – isn't it funny that Dale Brown was like um, 
uh, Les Miles at the same school, just in a different sport. Weirdos that were strangely effective and entertaining. Weird stuff, but it worked. But it worked. It worked for LSU. It works at LSU. I've always, I always tell people that don't know the SEC. I say this school's this, this school's that. LSU's the weird one, <laughs> and they've always, had, <laughs> and they've always had weird coaches. But it works for them. All right, thank you. Those are really good lister questions. We appreciate them. If you All want right. to also send in your questions or feedback to the show or tell us your thoughts about this fan angst question, how you should feel, A-U-S-H-O-D-G-M-O-D-C. Sorry, I already pushed the button. Um, yeah, so let's, that's right. We appreciate it. Send us, send us in your questions to auwishpoint.gmail.com. Sorry about that, John. So let's take a trip around the SEC. Just a couple of quick things. You had a thing about Georgia, and I have a question about the playoffs. So Georgia, I said last week they lost their wide receiver coach. This week they lost their running back coach oh. and best recruiter, former Auburn player Del McGee. Yeah. Left Georgia, and he is now the head football coach at Georgia State. Wow, look at Dell being a head coach. I tell you what, if you'd ask me which former Auburn player would be a head coach, I you know, first, I can't, you know, Cadillac's not a head coach yet. Uh um what uh, uh Garnet yeah, Travis Williams is not yet, though the day's coming. Rodney Garner never has. Um I don't know I would have said Dell McGee. That's pretty cool. Happy for him. Uh, Traveris Robinson's not yet. Yep. There's so many I, Auburn players that have – Tracy Rocker. There's so many Auburn players that have become really good coaches, and yet not really many of them have become head coaches. It's true. Stacy um, Searles. I, I was going to say, uh, happy for Del McGee as a human, and it makes Georgia weaker, so it makes me even happier. So. Absolutely. And, oh, and the um, – um, the son of our linebacker coach, Joe Witt Jr., Joe is Witt, now yeah. – he just got a job with an NFL – He's, he's, he's been in the NFL a while. I think he's a defense. I think he's a defensive coordinator in the NFL now. Yeah, I think it is it like the Washington team or something. Maybe I maybe. I know that he just got to be a, yeah. So good for him too. So, all right. My last thing is I just want to ask you. I saw that they're already talking about expanding the playoffs in 2025. What is the deal? I mean, they're talking about going to 14 or 16 or something, and they haven't even played the first round yet. I I, I mean, there because what they did they. People forget because we're used to them figuring out four years or six years or eight years or ten years at a time for these things. All they did was figure out this year, right? All that's been whittled in stone, you don't whittle in stone, but you know what I'm saying. All that's been chiseled in stone is 2024. Beyond that, it's a blank slate. And so they're already talking about drastically changing the format after just one year. What are your thoughts? Well, it's... The ever-ending story, the quest for more money. Yeah. I mean, I think there's the other thing, too, which is this. You recently saw they, they were talking about changing the – they changed the format so it's not like the top conference champions or whatever. It's the right. top teams. And you know what that means? SEC and Big Ten won all of those slots. Mm-hmm. All the top slots are going to be SEC and Big Ten teams, and the other teams, the other conferences are going to be down at the bottom playing road games in first round. And, and if they go to 14 teams, it's because the SEC thinks they can get eight. <laughs> I think it was Andy Staples that said something like he went back and asked a couple of the Big Ten guys or whatever, uh, athletic directors, like, you guys could have had a better deal than this. The SEC was like bending over backwards to give you a better deal. And you guys said, no, we need to wait and think about it. And now you got a worse deal. It's true. It's so funny. 
because they were trying to give them like more spots and they're like, oh, this is just so the SEC can have more spots. And the SEC's like, no, not necessarily, right? I mean, if we stick with four, then yeah, the SEC is going to get two of them and everybody else can have the other two. But if we, the SEC's like, we want to go to eight or 12 to give other to, you know, maybe the SEC will get five or six or something, but that's that many more spots that you guys can get. Oh, no, if the SEC gets more, we don't want any part of it. Well, guess what? <laughs> You're going to get more SEC teams now. Congratulations on misplaying that. But, I, you know, yeah. I I don't think we need to expand. I, I'm pretty happy with the setup they agreed to for the one year. If we want to go, I mean, I... You know, because it works out where you can keep the conference championship games. They mean something. Teams are going to buy. They can rest. That will matter. Other teams are going to have to play, you know, an extra game. So I think all that's good. And I really, really like the idea of the home, you know, home games on campuses. I think it's going to be gigantic. Well, I think you have to. I think that it's to the point now where games are so expensive. People rather stay home watching on TV and if you're asking them to go to multiple rounds. That's yes. the thing that I've always said is people can budget for going to get, going to a couple of games in the regular season. They can budget going to a bowl game as a kind of a reward in the hol- during the holidays. But when you ask them to go like three weeks in a row to some stadium many states away just for the next round of whatever, you know, it's like – you know, I mean, think about it. In 2010, I couldn't afford to go to the SEC championship and the bowl game, and I thought the bowl game was going to be the national championship, and so I didn't go to the SEC championship game that year. I would have been there, except that I, you know, that was an extra game. It was basically an extra playoff game. Yes. And um, if you say now three rounds, you better make at least the first couple at home. Because that way, at least there's some fans that can get there pretty easily. Probably, you know, if you put them far away, make them make them distant bowl games every round. Who can afford that? It's going to be like the Super Bowl, where the only people there are corporate people with money rather than fans. That's right. So, That'd all right, be the worst. Yeah, absolutely. Nobody wants that. All right. Well, we've taken up enough of your time this week. Um, your closing thoughts, John? Speed Tennessee. Let's beat Tennessee. Let's do it. Let's uh, crush Rocky Top what? down to dust. Let's shock the world. In March Madness, let's shock the world. And I say you. All right, let's do it. Let's beat Tennessee. And then we will reconvene next week to talk about it and in the next game. Our time is up. We thank you for yours. War Eagle, John. War Eagle, Boris. War Eagle, man. War Eagle, Boris. Thanks for listening to the AU Wishbone. Find links to everything we do at www.auwishbone.com. For more Auburn fun, join us on Twitter at auwishbone and at facebook.com slash auwishbone. War Eagle. The AU Wishbone is produced by Van Allen Plexico and John Ringer. Copyright 2020. This has been a White Rocket Entertainment production. Thank you for listening to the AU Wishbone Podcast.